Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Aleph in Maseches Yevamos, Shushan Purim, Tavshin Pei Beis. Oh my goodness, Andrew! I can't, uh, I can't vouch for anything we're going to learn today because of the, of the state of mind in which it was prepared. But I have, uh, and and Garano, it's his kidneys are hurting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had some beer and kidneys. You can feel it. But here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Andrew, I'm going to lay that for like a picnic blanket. First of all, any day that you don't see puppets, you know that it's going to be a decent day, right? We don't have to worry about Arias today. We're not going to, we're not going to learn in the case of where you're your own grandpa today. We're going to learn about another case, and I think I may have unlocked a way to explain it clearly. So let's say it outside first. Let me tell you something. All right, tell me something. Rabbi Weiss, yeah. the day after Purim, mm-hmm. he gave the best class he ever did. You may oh. be give the best class. Garanowitz, chizuk moment. How do you like that? Thank you. Here we go. Amen. Let's go. Let's go. We got this. Your brain may like... My brain might be super locked in. Okay. All right, let me ask you this, Garanowitz. A guy does... Okay, so again, forget about Arias. Regular sprinter from the block. She's a very nice girl. She's very balanced. And he gets married to a young man, and tragically, he dies childless. That much we're going to say. And his brother does chalitza. His brother does chalitza. All right. Now, once his brother does chalitza, can any of the other brothers marry her? What do you say, Andrew? So again, Ruvain dies. Shimon did chalitza. He didn't want to marry her. He did chalitza. Can Levi marry her? The answer is, of course not. She's not any more just regular old sprinter from the block. Right. She is an Ashes Ach. Right. right? She had once been married to Ruvain, and so she's an Ashes Ach. Right. So I guess it is an Arias in that sense. We, you know, that much we, we, did, we say. The only time you can marry an Ashes Ach is in the context of Yibum. Okay. So that much we know. So that would be, so that it would, it would be like if Ruvain had married, what if Ruvain was married and he divorced, and he divorced her all those years ago, and they had kids. Still, she's an Eishasach, you can't marry this woman, okay? Even once, even once they are, um, even once they are divorced, even once that relationship is severed, okay? Now let me ask you another question. Instead of doing chalitza, okay, suppose... Ruvain dies. Shimon doesn't do chalitza. He does yibum. And then Shimon dies childless. So in that case, we already said, that's how you get a tsara tsara. Uh, that's a scenario where you can have a tsara tsara. That's where Levi, again, he's not going to do a regular marriage, but that's where Levi would do yibum on behalf of Shimon. Now, is he doing yibum on behalf of Shimon or on behalf of Ruvain? I think we're going to have to touch on that today. But my point is like this, that in all of these cases, once Yibum um, or Chalitza was done, or really once Ruvain married Shprinza, right? She's just a regular girl from, from, uh, from town. But once Ruvain marries her, so the other brothers, the only context in which they could marry her would be Yibum. Otherwise, she's an Eshazach. Very good. So... The fascinating case where we find the Rabbi Yochanan Rishlakish was ten lines up from the bottom of Yudim Beis was where Ruvain dies uh, childless, Shimon 
doesn't do yibum. He does chalitza. Okay, so he does chalitza. So normally she'd be usher to everyone else. Okay. And then he does something weird. He actually does something usher. He marries her. He's not allowed to. There's a pasuk in the Torah. It's an iser lav. It's not an iser karis. She's not considered an erva to him. In other words, Shimon, once he's done chalitza, she's not an erva to him, but he is not allowed to marry her. It says, lo yibanei. You're not allowed to, once you've decided that you're not going to build, rebuild your brother's name, you can't go back. No backsies on that move. And once you've done chalitza, you can't marry her, but he did it anyway. He did it by iser. The Kiddushin, unless you hold like Rabbi Akiva, which we're going to see soon, uh, but according to, right, the, the, the more mainstream halacha, we'll call it, according to the Rabbanon, right, you're going to be, the Kiddushin's going to work. So now we have a fascinating dynamic. Shimon did chalitza and married her. <laughs> he did both, right? So it's, it's almost like where you've done, so again, if Shimon had done chalitza, uh, if Shimon had done straight up yibum and then died childless, so then somebody's going to have to do yibum for him. But here he did chalitza. So the question is, when he did the chalitza, did he release all of his brothers at that, at that moment? And once you've done that, they all have an issue of Eishas Ach. And so then by doing chalitza and then remarrying her, right? Does, so now when he dies childless, is there an Isser of Eishas Ach? Like, can the rest of the brothers do chalitza for him? Or you could say, well, once he did chalitza, he broke what we'll call the zika, right? He broke that original thing. So then there's an Isser of Eishas Ach and nobody can marry her. Or you could say the other way, which is Rabbi Yochanan, I gave it away. Uh, the other way of saying it, which Rabbi Yochanan would say, is that when he does chalitza, when Shimon did chalitza, he was like a shaliach, a shaliach for the other brothers. And by being a shaliach for the other brothers, that means that it's as if they all did chalitza, right? So if it's as if they all did chalitza, then in theory, were Shimon to die, or even, right, if Shimon, whichever mm-hmm. way he severed the relationship with her, right, if it's if he did chalitza, then the other brothers, it still would be an Eishas Ach, but it's not a regular Eishas Ach. It's an Eishas Ach that had already had chalitza, right? So in other words, this woman, Shprinza again, once Shimon did chalitza, once, is it already, is she already like an Eishas Ach that already had Chalitza vis-a-vis the rest of the brothers? Or is she like a full-fledged Eishasach without Chalitza? Is it as if Chalitza was done by Shimon alone and therefore her relationship, her Isra to him is only to, to Shimon uh, and therefore the Isra love is only on Shimon? Or is it as if Shimon was a Shaliach for all of them, all the brothers, and therefore all the brothers have the same relationship to her that Shimon does? What's the difference? The difference is if it's as if Shimon had done chalitza alone and it's only a relationship between him and Shprinza, so then the rest of the brothers are like an Eishas Ach and there's an Isser Kares and they could never marry her. But if it's as if he's a Shaliach for all the brothers and it's as if all the brothers had done chalitza to her, then even if Shimon were to marry her and let's say divorce her or whatever it is, the rest of the brothers don't have an Isser Kares. The Isser of Eishas Ach had been, he's a, Shimon is a Shaliach for the rest of the brothers in the removal of the Isser of Eishas Ach. And now she's as if she is a Chalitza to every one of the brothers. 
And Levi, although he's usher to marry her, certainly, that isr is only an isr lav. It would be as if marrying your own chalitza, just like Shimon had, and it would only be an isr lav, that kiddushin would be tofes. This esoteric question is a machlokas, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Can Levi marry this woman? Does, is she like an ashes ach to him? Or like an ashes ach that he took in and did chalitza on, which, which he can marry? Uh, that's a good question. Esoteric usually means that it's like just beyond the common basic thing. It's, 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 a, it's a more high level, requires a little bit of a higher level because really this is like high level theoretical thinking, right? This is, um, this is, this is high level theoretical um, thinking and on Shushan Purim, I don't know any other way to say it. Okay. Oh, so, so again, Tophus once again is like this. So now we're going to break it down to basics. So, so, no, so, Kedushin Tophis means if, 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 again, if Levi were to marry Shprinza once her relationship with Shimon is over, then that wedding, they had a big wedding. They brought in Moshe Tischler, they had a band, wow. they had, yeah, they had, they had all the people there. But if she's an Isser Erva to Shimon, then that, it's considered like nothing. The wedding has no validity whatsoever. They're not considered married. Ephes, okay? Uh, Tophes really means, uh, does it take, right? Does it, does it take? Does the, does the Kedushin, are the, uh, are the Lundus way of saying is the Kedushin chal? Is, are they considered married? The bottom line is, are they considered married halakhically, right? What would be the difference? So, for example, would they need a get? What's the state of the children? Right, and what would be the state of the children? Well, what's Andrew saying? Andrew's saying, all right, uh, what would be the state of the children? The truth of the matter is, whether uh, the children were Mamzer or not, as I think Rabbi Kiva also, is another machlokas. But, but certainly everybody would agree that if it's an Isrkar is uh, to marry her, and it's an erva, and the guy attempted to marry her anyway, had made, made a whole wedding and lived with her, so everybody would say that, you know, the children are Mamzerim in that case, and again, she wouldn't need a get because it's, she was never married to him legally and all of that, right? Um, you know, whereas if it's just an Isser love, so yeah, he's not allowed to marry her, but if he wanted to divorce her, he would need a get, right? They are legally married. Okay, so there has a series of nafkaminas. And we're learning, we just started Seder Nashim, so the good news is you're going to learn about all those nafkaminas, but not today. Well, I got pissed. Which brother goes first with evil? Let's say the five brothers. Very good question. Who goes first? I think the oldest, but we're going to learn that. You know, we have like six months of this to go, so that detail will be dis- will be discussed. Okay, all right. So let's go. Ten lines up from the bottom of your Yudam Bay's Ace Face. So now you already know the whole Gemara. You could just kind of cruise through this. You just sit back in country club mode. Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan asked Reish Lakish. Achos levimta bechazer vekitra. So that's what happened, right? Shimon did chalitza on Shprinza, and then he went back and he and he had cholitz remorse. <laughs> he felt bad that he did chalitza. And he decided that he's going to marry her. Now, that's an Isser. But the Kedushin works, right? It's as if he's married. But then he, he would have to divorce her, or in this case, he, he died. So then he died childless. So this is the issue. We already talked about, we, we, we just laid out the Machlokas Rebbechon However, Rabbi Yochanan is going to try to prove that he's right. Um, Rabbi Yochanan was the one that held that she's a shliach. 
that 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 Shimon is a shaliach, right? And in yesterday we learned that's how we finished that it was Reish Lakish held that this chalitza and then remarriage that Shimon did was his own, was Shimon's own mishigas. But everyone, all the other brothers, would just have the iser eshesach, and therefore the answer there would be that that she does not need chalitza from the other brothers. However, right, because she's an eshesach to them. However, right. Rabbi Yochanan held that he's just a shaliach. So watch this. Rabbi Yochanan is saying to Rish Lakish, he's quoting a b'risa, and he's trying to say, this b'risa is like me. The b'risa says that if Shimon, the case exactly that we're discussing, Shimon did chalitza on, right, spritza, and then he married her, and then he died. So the other brothers, right, still need, still need to do chalitza from one of the Surviving, surviving brothers. This is because they're not going to do Yibum anymore. This Chalitza, this is important to understand. When you say Tzricha Chalitza, when a brother says Tzricha Chalitza, that's not real Yibum. Right? It's not like she's falling to the other brothers. That Chalitza has already been done on their behalf. Oh, so why do they have to do Chalitza again if the Chalitza has already been done on their behalf? It's purely out of Suffolk. Right? Because the Bryce is saying the only recourse you have is Chalitza. <laughs> why is the only recourse you have Chalitza? Because really... They don't have a, a, right, they're stuck, is the point. Anytime they tell you just do chalitza, the answer, it really is an indication that they don't really have a chiv yibum on this woman anymore, right? They've already done, in this case, chalitza, so to speak, for her. They don't have a chiv yibum, but because of the fact that she fell to him, because of this unique case that Shimon created by marrying the woman that he did chalitza on, they can't just let her go, right? Uh, because, because she has some, Something that looks like a Zika, because by Shimon uh, taking her in and then dying, he certainly created something like a, a Zika. So on one hand, now you have the weirdness of the case in full. You get the full taste of it. Because on one hand, it's as if all the brothers, according to Rabbi Yochanan, had already done chalitza on her. But now Shimon almost restarted the clock. What do you do about a woman that you already did chalitza on, and now she she just died, right? Uh, meaning, and now the brother just died. Right, leaving her surviving again uh, without without a child, and so do you. So do you do yibum or not? The fact that you do chalitza means you're stuck, and the only reason you're stuck is because you're only done chalitza. Mind you, if it, were, if it was like Reish Lakish, right, and she was an Aishas Ach, right, and she was considered an Aishas Ach, so then you'll see. Then you wouldn't uh, do the chalitza, as you will see. So, anyways. Rabbi Yochanan says Tzricha Chalitza. Rabbi Yochanan quotes a Brisa that says Tzricha Chalitza min Achin. That is an indication of Vishita. So says Rabbi Yochanan. He spells it out to Rish Lakish. He says Bishlem Ladidi Damina Chayve Lavin Inhu. That makes sense according to me who holds that they already did the Chalitza and therefore to bring them in would be a Chiyav Lav as opposed to Isra Kares, meaning they're no longer right have the Zika um, with her. They're no longer considered the Isra Veishas Ach. So Hainu Tzricha Chalitza min Achin. That's why she needs Chalitza. Right, El But according to you, Reish Lakish, Amai Tzricha Chalitza. According to you, Reish Lakish, right? She doesn't. You can't do Yibum on her anymore because the Chalitza was done. Her Zika was released, and you taking her in would be an Iser Kares of Eishasach. Right. So that's the other Nafkamina. Right. In other words, right. Shimon ended the Zika already. Oh, he he married her and then and then divorced her. Well, he did so be Iser Lav. But there, there's an Isser of Eishas Ach there. So Reish Lakish answers, Ultameich Ema Seifa. So what Reish Lakish is now revealing is that, and what we're going to be dealing with throughout Yudalf, if we ever get to it, 
is that the b'risa is contradictory. The first part of the b'risa says you have to do chalitza, which sounds more, that the rest of the brothers have to do chalitza, which sounds more like Rabbi Yochanan. However, Reish Lakish now revealing the second part of the b'risa, which is going to sound more like Reish Lakish, as follows. Says Reish Lakish, The seifa of the b'risa says that if one of the brothers did in fact marry her, okay, ain la alav klum. There you go. This is what you were saying, Andrew. This means it's not tofes, which means ain la love klum is, you said it better than me. I said it's not tofes. You said it's as if nothing happened. There'd be no marriage, right? The ain chayve, okay. Ain la love klum means there's no marriage, which means why is there no marriage, Goranowitz? Because there's an iser eshes ach that remains. There's no chi of chalitza that remains. And says, And if it's like you say, Rabbi Yochanan, that what? That it's as if they all did chalitza, and therefore there is no Eishasach, it's as if the, the only thing that would remain would be the Israelav of Lo'ibaneh, Amai and Lalav Klum. Why are you saying it's an Isakaris? It's not an Isakaris. It's just an Isserlav, right? Isserlav, as we've discussed, is a situation where you still. Uh, you, you could still marry her and, and the Kiddushin would be considered a valid, albeit illicit marriage. But there's a difference between an illicit marriage and a marriage that doesn't count at all. For Isri Lav, it's an illicit marriage, but it's a real marriage. You now have to do Gershin. As Andrew pointed out, according to some Shitos, the kids would not be Mamzerim, right? Um, although according to some Shitos, they would be, but according to some Shitos, they would not be. And we'll see that throughout Sayyid and Nashim. And uh, if you needed to sever it, you would need a gittin uh, and all that. However, if it's an israkares, then none of that. Ain't all of klum. All of it is a sham. That's not a marriage at all. Okay. So now we have an issue. The brisa, the first part sounds like Rabbi Yochanan, that you need chalitza. Second part sounds like Rish Lakish, ain't all of klum. How to, how do you resolve it? As follows. Amar of Sheshus. Seifa son the Rabbi Akiva. Oh, this is the easiest way to resolve it. You could say that the Seifa, when he says, Ain la love klum, is like Rabbi Kiva. How so? The Amar, Rabbi Kiva, has a unique Shita, who holds, Ain Kiddushin Tovsin B'chai Ve'lavin. <laughs> well, that, that solves it. Because Rabbi Kiva says that with a of love, like a person who marries a Tzara, their Kiddushin aren't Tofes. That's why I had to use that language, because that's the language of the Gemar. The Kiddushin don't work at all. It doesn't catch. Which is to say as if you did nothing. So, so fine. So that's, what he's saying. He's saying the whole Mishnah, the whole Brisa that we're quoting is Rabbi Yochanan. And really, all there is, everybody, really, the brothers of Shaliach, for the rest of the brothers, if they all did Chalitza. Aye, if they all did Chalitza, then you don't really have an Isser Kares for bringing her back in. If one of them were to marry her, the answer is, that's true. But, we are within Rabbi Akiva, who says, Ain la love klum, even in a situation of an Isser love. So the Gemara says, but listen to the Divya Rabbi Akiva, Ain la love klum. A fascinating thing. These brysas, as we finally arrive at Yalaf Amad Aleph at the hopeless time at 5.55 a.m., that the fascinating thing is that um, when you have a brysa and it changes gears in the middle, so it has to attribute that change of gears to the person whom it's quoting. 
So in this case, you can't just say that the first part is like the Chachamim and then all of a sudden we have the second part like Rabbi Akiva. Maybe for a Mishnah, we see this all the time in the Gemara, we'll say, oh, this part of the Mishnah is like Rabbi Huda, this part's like Rabbi Meir, this part's like Rabbi Akiva. Why do we say that? Because the Mishnah is like the final edited version and sometimes it appears uh, as a Stam Mishnah, as we know. Usually a Stam Mishnah is like Rabbi Meir, but it appears without authorship because that's supposed to be like the final product. But when you have the little pieces of Tanaic material in the form of Rebrisa, it can't just change. It, each piece of Tanaic material is usually reflective of just one opinion. If it's reflective of two, normally it'll sh- tell you that. So that's the issue. So says the Gemara, as we start with Yudalaf Amdalaf, the first word, the Gemara concedes, Kasha, that that's indeed difficult. And so that answer for why the first part sounds like Rabbi Yochanan, the second part sounds like Rish Lakish, it, we can't just say, oh, it's all Rabbi Yochanan and the second part is within the sheet of Rabbi Kiva because that would be reflected in the Brisa and it is not. So therefore, we're going to think of other ways of recon- uh, reconciling the internal contradiction in the Brisa as follows. So, Ravashi Savalakari Shlakish. One uh, is, so, so Ravashi and Ravina. Okay, they both looked at this Brisa that is contradictory in two different ways. Ravashi held that the whole b'risa is like Reish Lakish, okay? So if the whole b'risa is like Reish Lakish, we understand the second part of the b'risa, which says that ain't la love klum, right? That it's an Isra Kares. But what about this Chalitza business in the beginning? So says the Gemara, umetar it's like Rabbi Shimon. That's all it says. Well, we're going to spell it out, but I'll, I'll say it outside first. You got you to gotta think back to the Daftas, and according to Rabbi Shimon, that case, the first case where you have chalitza, is a very unique case. It's an achiv shalaya be'olama. Remember, there was the brother where Levi was born right after Ruvain already died. Well, that's a fascinating case because the, the Torah says explicitly that all the kieshvu achim yachtav, that's how the whole parsha of Yibam starts. So if they are not contemporaries, right, so then there's no, there's no deal of Yibam. So the question is, how do you resolve it if it were to happen, which is to say, there's a sheet of Rabbi Shimon that even though uh, does not do yibum, you do resolve it in that particular case with chalitza. We're going to talk. It's 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 an it's an unusual case, right? Um, because because there's going to be no case for um, there's going to be no iser for the achiv shalayabalamo. Right, so you do find an irony within the shita of this brisa of Rishlakish, because ironically, he's going to say that there's an isr kares, right? For once, when chalitza was done, he's going to say that there's an isr kares um, uh, for the rest of the brothers. But the achiv shalayab alamo, right? He was left out of this equation altogether. So you could still hold like Rishlakish, but say that even though this business is an isr kares and the other brothers have an isr ishasach, right? The brother that that wasn't alive yet. When all this happened, he's in a totally different category, and he's the one that's doing chalitza. That's what the chalitza in the ratio of the Bryce is referring to. That is how Ravashi looks at it, and we're going to be spelling it out. So uh, we're we're going to buy we're buying real estate early here on this daf yudalif amadalif. That's all Ravashi. Now Ravina savalaka Rabbi Yochanan. He's going to hold that the whole thing is Rabbi Yochanan's darbanan. Umetaritz kirabanan, and he holds with regards to the eshes achiv again shalayabalama like the rabanan. So let's spell it out. Says the Gemara. He says, That is the first part of the Brisa, and it is straight up. Uh, wait, so, so, 
that, that's a problem, right? Because according to Reish Lakish, why does she need Chalitza? So let's look at it. Mine Achin. Who's the Achin? Achin Hayiludim. Yiludin means born after Chalitza. That's what Yiludin means. So again, why does he need Chalitza in the Reisha? Even though he holds like Reish Lakish? Because the Reisha is talking about a unique case of Achiv Shalayaba Alamo. There he, right? So that, so after all of Shimon's Mishagas, where he does Chalitza and then marries her, the same woman they did Chalitza on, the, these people, this, these Achin Yuladin are born and they show up and they're like, what's up, fellas? What's their relationship to her? Kiman. They say like Rabbi Shimon, right? They, their relationship to her is if Shimon dies, they have nothing to do with it, really, right? Because they weren't alive when Shim, when Shimon decided to have the bright idea of doing chalitza and then marrying her, okay? And therefore, really, they don't have this iser kares, but because Shimon did marry her and then die childless, they have some form of zika, and therefore they're going to do chalitza. This is all a reflection of Rav Shimon and Daftes. So that's how Rav Ashi says, uh, uh, resolves it. So in the Reisha, that's why they do chalitza, because he holds like Rabbi Shimon. And it's an What about the Seifa? So the Seifa is Amar Echad Oladim Right? So there's a Yeludim. Yeludim are the ones that are born after all this happened. No, Oladim is the one that were already born. So the Yeludim are going to have a Darabon Ar Chalitza. The Yeludim have nothing to do with them. But the Noladim, they have an Isar Kares. Noladim are the people that were all there. They were all there when Shimon was doing all his Mishagas of Chalitza and then, and then marriage. Yeludim means born after. Okay? And Noladim means already born. Okay. So, That's how Ravashi is, uh, is explaining this price. He says the whole price has to do with the Eshesachim Shalayah of the Lamo and the part that says the Chalitza is talking about the ones that were born after all this happened and the ones that say the, Reish, the Seifa they're talking about all the surviving brothers. They all have, right, obviously this Zika, Mide Arisa of Ashes Ach, and for them, it would be a non-marriage. Okay, that's all Ravashi. Right. Ravi- I mean, Shabbos, you learn Shabbos, you know what's happening, you know, you gotta, you know, Shabbos, what do we learn in your Bumbus? I mean, Right, so you're saying, Halach Lamaisa, we're just, um, you're getting a little bit of the bends, we'll call it, Garanowitz, because Moed was so relatable and so Allah Lamaisa, right, right. now we're, but now you're a real Yeshiva Bachar Garanowitz, because this is what you do in Yeshiva. You know, they don't learn as much Moed in Yeshivas. They learn Nashim Nazikin, right. and, and, and you're talking about theoretical stuff. You're in Brisk now, buddy. You're, this is what you do in Yeshivas. It's theoretical. This is what I meant by esoteric. This is mind sharpening and, um, wow. and, and learning, learning the subtleties of the a nuance of these halachas. Okay. So that was Reish Lakish. Now, n- now you're in the base matters. You ready? Ravina Savala Karbiachan Tartsla Liba the Rabbanan. Ravina, it's all Torah. That's the point. This is, this is pure Torah. This is how it's supposed to, it's, even, even if it's not necessarily relatable, uh, in Halachalamaisa, that's the pure, uh, the pure Pilposhal Torah. That is uh, that certainly is Talmud Torah connected kulam as we say right, okay. Baharevna, Goranowitz, it's supposed to be beautiful and uh, to you. 
supposed to, is, your, your heart is supposed to be drawn to it. Yeah, well, no country club mode. You're supposed, your heart's supposed to be drawn to all of this, okay? That's what you ask Why? for when you say, because the Torah, because the Shem's Torah. Are you kidding me? Okay. Ravina Okay, so we just went through Rish Lakish. How is Ravina going to resolve the Brisa again? The first part of the Brisa is going to sound like Rabbi Yochanan. Second part of the Brisa, where he says that there's no marriage, sounds like Rish Lakish. So Ravina says the whole Brisa is like Rabbi Yochanan. Umitaritzla as follows. He says So again, Shimon did Chalitza and then went ahead and married her. Okay, man achin, achin hanoladim. So according to, Rabbi, to Ravina, the first part is Rabbi Yochanan, in other words. Again, achin hanoladin and achin ayeludin. So, uh, so again, when it comes to achin hanoladin, which is the pre-existing brothers, the machlokis Reish Lakish Rabbi Yochanan was, that Reish Lakish held that the marriage is no good. And therefore, Reish Lakish, when, with respect to achin hanoladin, thinks that that's reflected in the Seifa. Rabbi Yochanan thinks that the achin hanoladin, those already pre-existing brothers, are reflected in the Reisha, because he holds that those brothers have a chalitza. And that's what the Reisha of the Brisa says, that those brothers have to do chalitza. Okay, keman ke Rabbi Yochanan. Right, so the Reisha of the Brisa is like Rabbi Yochanan. However, amad echad miladudin v'kitsha, that the ludim again, are the ones that are, married, are, that are born after, so ain la love klum. They have no zika at all, meaning they're an ashesach, and therefore they have an isra kares, and the wedding would not be work at all; it'd be a sham. Keman karabanan, they hold like rabbanan. What does rabbanan hold? That because they have the shita, right? That they don't allow the wife of the ashesach of shalom even to one right who was born after the brother married her. He, they hold that he has uh, somewhat of a zika. Because why? Because even though he wasn't the olama of the, of the original brother Ruvain, perhaps because he was in the olama of the second brother. So that is the Shittas Rabbanan. But be that as it may, just to say it outside and take a panoramic view of what's going on, just to, let's get the panoramic view. He goes like this. Basically, there's a brysa. First half of the brysa sounds like Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, and it says you do chalitza. Second half of the Bryce, it sounds like Rishlakish. It says that the mar- you don't do chalitza, the marriage is null and void, and there's an Isakaris there. And so there's Ravashi and Ravina who hold basically that one holds that the whole Bryce is Rishlakish, the other one holds that the whole Bryce is Rabbi Yochanan. And the only difference is why is it contradictory? Because the Bryce is talking about a case of Eshazakif Shalayab el Lamo, and therefore, with respect, he who holds. Like if you hold that side like Yochanan, with respect to what to do with the with the brothers that survived that, that that were alive when Shimon did the chalitza and then married her, so then you just hold like Lerabanan with respect to the brother that was not yet alive, and if you hold like Rishlakish with respect to the brothers that were alive at the time this went on, then you hold right. Um, not like the Rabbanon, but like Rabbi Shimon with respect to the brother that was not yet alive. Okay, so that's that machlokas. Now, a related machlokas, what if you say this? Itmar, habal yevama uva echad minachin al tsarasa. Okay, what, this is a fascinating case. Regular case, Ruvain dies childless, Shimon does yibum, everyone is... I wouldn't say happy, but everyone did what they're supposed to do. It's a mitzvah after all, and all's good. All of a sudden, Levi comes, and he, right, don't remember, when Ruvain, don't, don't forget, when Ruvain died, so he had like three wives. 
So you only do Yibam on one. How do you choose the one? It doesn't matter. But all three wives were not related. We're not talking about Erva, no puppets. Shimon does Yibam and everything's done. What about the other wives? Can the other brother marry the other wives? No. What do you mean? She's an Eshesach. What happened here? So, Pligi Baravina. Chad Amar Bekaris, Chad Amar Well, guess what? That's another situation where you can have this unusual case where whether the brothers still have a connection to her or not, like Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish can come into play. We thought the only time Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish would come into play in the very unusual case where a brother did Chalitza, released her entirely, but then brought, in, brought her back into the marriage. Well, that's only with respect to if there's one wife, let's say. But if there's multiple wives, what happens to the tsaras when you do Yibum? They're also Eishas Ach. So once you do, or, 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 or not. So let's see. What's the case? What's the case? So the case is like this. It's actually the simplest case we're going to see. The case is, Ruvain dies childless, and he has a bunch of wives. So Shimon marries one, uh, does Yibum on one of them. Good. Eshakoach. Can Levi marry the other tzara? So it should be taloi, it should depend on this machlokis veishlokis of Yochanan. Because if Yochanan holds that the brother that does the yibam or the chalitza is the shliach for everyone else, okay? So once you do the shliach for everyone else, it's as if everyone had done yibam or chalitza already. So if it's as if everyone done yibam or chalitza already, then guess what? Levi normally wouldn't be able to marry one of the other surviving wives of Ruvain. But in this particular case, <laughs> because of the fact that Shimon already did Yibum, now Levi doesn't any longer have the Isr of Eshes Ach per se. Why? It's more of the Isr Lav, according to Rabbi Yochanan, of you can't rebuild the woman, uh, um, you can't be Miyabim Amun twice. Why? That's what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara says, What's this idea that so, that one position is that he has karis and one opinion is that it's a isra say? This is mandam bechares kareish lakish. Yeah, the one says it's karis is like reish lakish who holds that you know oh, it's as if only Shimon did yibum. All the rest of the brothers have a full blown isra karis aishas ach on the remaining tzaras. However, mandam ba'asei kareb yochanan. He who says that there's only isra say, so he holds like reb yochanan. And this is a real chiddush, however, that it's not just when a brother, when Shimon does chalitza, but even when Shimon does yibum, it's as if all the other brothers did yibum. And the chiddush is, right, that, but they didn't do yibum. Like, you can't do yibum on a woman twice, right? But it, you, you sort of can, because once, so to speak, because once Shimon did yibum, it's as if Levi did yibum. And therefore, for Levi to marry one of the tsaras, it would be, it would be uh, only a violation of rebuilding twice, which is an Isser in the Torah, but it is an Isser Lav, it's not an Isser Kares, and therefore, the marriage would work if he wanted to sever said marriage, he would need to get and all of that, fine. So now, 11 lines up on Yudal Fumdalaf, we say it like this, Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav, Tsaras Sota Asur. Oh, Andrew, remember when we learned Daf Gimel? I had like a brain freeze, and I overheated, and like I had a meltdown in front of you? It was it was this it was this halacha that we quoted. So here we are again, dafir alaf. But it wasn't that hard. Now 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 that we went through it then, so we'll go through it now. I'm a rav. I'm a rav. Now it's easy for me. Yeah, I broke through the wall, Garanowitz. Because you, you know you have some lubrication in your brain. Yeah, I lubricated it in my brain. So I'm a rav. What's the case of a tsaras sota? So what's the problem? Well, there's a big problem. 
we'll see. First of all, what's a sota? A sota is a woman that, well, we'll go through the whole, and we're going to learn this whole masechet called sota, you know that? So we're going to learn, but basically, it's an adultery. Okay, good. So, but in this case, it's hardcore. The woman is accused of adultery, Now, the question is, at what stage is she? There's a whole process. She's accused. She's told, don't, don't uh, have yichud with this man. There's edim. A certain process, right? She drinks the may sota, famously, as we know. Uh, so, be that as it may, when, once there's a sota, right? So now we have a wild case. The sota is forbidden, right? To, to, the, to, to everyone else. This was the case that we brought up already. Now, there's no question that she's also to everyone because that is actually a, a pasuk. What does the pasuk say? The pasuk refers to her as an erva. Okay, so once the pasuk refers to her as an erva, so that nobody can marry her. Uh, none of the brothers can marry her. Okay, so none of the brothers can marry her, but here's what's unique about Asota. Asota is singularly, she's the one, she's the only adulteress. The other tsaras, do they take on that status also? So it's a fascinating question. In other words, she's disgusting, right? She's an abomination. So we call her an erva, right? But the point, but the fact of the matter is, the other tsaras didn't do it. So is she like a real erva? Because when we learned the first Mishnah of Yavamas, we said that if the woman was an erva, she's poter tsaraseha. So it's a fascinating question, Andrew. A woman that's called an erva by virtue of having been a sota, is she poter tsaraseha? Just because she's called an erva? After all, tsaraseha didn't do any, right, any fooling around. So says the Gemara. What's well, no, no, erva is, is, is a relationship, right? It's, it's because of the relationship. So it, she's, she's treated like an erva. So the question is, how far does that treatment of an erva go? Like, do you treat her like she's, right? The, to the, does it extend to the uh, other tsaras as well? So, right? Rav said, the Pasuk calls her tuma, and therefore she should be treated like an erva and should be an iser karis. So, Masav of Chisla, Rav Chisla says, wait a minute. Rav Shimon Omer, this is the Mishnah that we're going to see later in that Pezayin. Rav Shimon said, mm-hmm. So again, we're talking about this with, with a, with a sota. So let's say, so, so Rav Shimon clear, uh, explicitly holds that if let's say you do, right, Yibum, or Chalitza, right, with her, right, Poteres Tsarasa. So in other words, you have a Tsara, right, but you did Chalitza, or Yibum, it's Poter the Tsara. That Mishnah is teaching you that the Tsara, right, of Esota is going to require Yibum or Chalitza. And so in that case, it's Chalitza. But the point is, that sounds like she's not an Erva. Oh, so Rav holds she is like treated like an Erva, and Rav Chista holds that she uh, says, uh, quotes Rav Shimon, says that she's not treated like an Erva. So, Amalach Rav, the Gemara is challenged. It says, Okay, so you need context. The fact of the matter is, Mishneh Pezayin is a very different Sota because there's Sota and there's Sota. Sota is a, un, right, the woman who's a Sota, it's like unclear yet whether she was, there's, there's levels, okay? At the, at the beginning, it's suspicion. Then, after she drinks the mei sota, or it's verification, right? So, at what stage? Sota is a, is a catch-all phrase for an adulteress or a suspected adulteress, or the case of Pezayin is a totally different case. That is a sota der abanan. What happened? Man went on a, on a way on a, on a road trip, right, on a work trip, and never came back. Okay, so she thinks he's dead. She, but she has no 
1,000% verification that he's dead. But anyway, she thinks he's dead. It's been years. So the rabbi uh, of the shul let her remarry. Of course, uh, she gets remarried and immediately the, the husband comes back. So the Rabbanon had to treat her very delicately, right? This poor woman was in a real predicament. So they said, you know what? Okay, you're allowed to... Um, you, so, so, so they said they called her a sota because really, right, she had, she had been married when she married the second man. But that is a sota midar abanan. And they allow that woman, right, to, they say, just get divorced now when the husband comes back and we're not going to treat you, right, like a pariah, like a real sota, but you are a sota midar abanan after all, midar uh, raisa. But we're not, we're not going to give you this problem. And by the way, if prior to divorcing the original husband, Right, that original husband dies childless. There is in that case. That's the case of Rabbi Shimon, where you're going to have to do yibum, right? Because really, there was a uh, an aspect of this marriage that was not really, so to speak, ruined by her, her adultery, because there was no intentional adultery. That's the point, and that's really what Rav is saying here. He's like, "Are you kidding me? Are you saying that the case of Derabanan, where really it's not a sota at all?" Is in the sense of adultery. It's just right a, a an unwitting situation. She did it bishogeg, so to speak. So you're going to say that that's similar to the other case. In other words, when the Torah says that the sota is tame, like an erva, and therefore is going to be an isarkares, that's talking about an actual adulterous sota, or at least a suspected adulteress. This case of a darabonah or shimon, when a, where you have a husband that went to Medina Sayyam, has nothing to do with an adulterous sota. She's certainly not going to be called an erva. What were you even thinking? In fact, the Gemara. Goes goes on to say, right? I, he says, I'm talking you Sota Durabanan. And you come in here talking about Durabanan? I'm talking to Arisa. Are you talking to Durabanan? So the Gemara says, is the Karila my Karila? In other words, the Gemara asks, what were Rizchisa even thinking to, to think that the, that the case of Rabbi Shimon and Pei is in any way similar to the Sota that that we brought up on Gimel Mabez. So it says the Gemara, Kasava, call the Tikkun Durabanan, Kain Durabanan Tikkun. Yeah, Kain Durabanan that Tikkun. Rizchisa thought, yeah, maybe there are Banan, when they pattern the, the, the uh, halachas of the sota darabanan, of the husband that went out on the road trip, maybe they uh, patterned it after the sota daraisa, which refers to this woman as an erva. Well, guess what? They don't, because the two are so fundamentally different. One is suspected of adultery. That certainly is tumah. The other one really was trying to just, you know, she do the right thing, and she did everything with the permission of the rabbi. So that is certainly not going to be considered a toeva, and therefore, thinking that you apply this very common idea of, of all their abundance being like a pattern after the rices would be uh, a misapplication of that in the case of the sota der versus the sota der raisa. Okay. So now, that was Rav. But again, Rav says that she's a sota der raisa. So Ravashi is going to have sort of chista challenged. It didn't work. He challenged it from Pezain. Ravashi is going to challenge it from no, from a place no less fundamental than the very first Mishnah in Maseches Sota, which Goranot loves because it has a lot of Agarata as follows. Masih Ravashi. Seiter. The first Mishnah in Sota says the following. A woman goes into the secluded place with the guy that she's not supposed to go. And, you know, there was like Ede Yichud like they have in the wedding and except in this case it's in the worst possible scenario where they feel like she had been there long enough that she is now going to be suspected of adultery. Asura Levesa, right? She's not allowed 
to her husband anymore. And if her husband was Kohen, she's not allowed to eat the Kohen. This is a severed relationship now. She's in abeyance and she's on probation, basically. She's not really consi- she's not considered his wife until we verify what his story is. However, the first Mishnah in Sota continues to explain. Yeah, but if her husband should die, right, while he's waiting from heartache, to find out whether she's a whether whether she's full blown sota or not, waiting for her to drink the water. Cholitzas, you do chalitza, right? You have to do chalitza because you're between a rock and a hard place. She's not. We're not sure if she's like his wife no more. And but on the other hand, he died and really midaraisa. Maybe there still should be a zika. And as we've already discussed multiple times, that's what you know, right? That's what you do. When you are in that situation, and as we turn to your dolphin base, right? You don't do Yibam in a situation like that, right? But the point is that Rav would say she's not even Choletzes. According to Rav, the Sota is an Erva. She's an Isser Kares. And therefore, she's already considered like one of the Arias, and you would never do Chalitza on a woman like that, right? As the very first Mishnah in Yavama says, that Potras is Chalotzein, Mina Chalitza, Mina Yibum, right? And the, so therefore, Potras is Chalotzein, Mina Chalitza, Mina Yibum. And therefore, you don't, and certainly, um, her, her herself doesn't get Chalitza or Yibum. Oh. So again, the Kasha is Rav says that a Sota is treated like an Erva, and the first mission in Sota says that a Sota is treated like not an Erva because you do Chalitza on her. You don't do Chalitza on an Erva. How do you reconcile it? So that's where we're talking about stages. At what stage of this Sota are you? Right? If you're still in suspected, so then obviously you do Chalitza because you're unsure of what her status is going to be. And now we're, now we're going to say it outside. When Rav says that the, that the Sota is like an erva, he means that she's convicted, right? Says the Gemara. What would you say? Yeah. Rav says the answer. As Andrew says. Yeah, I'm talking about an adulterous man. That's what I mean when I say Sota. Yeah, I understand that Sota has to go through a process. So you're bringing me the, 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 the initial stages when she was just in the suffix state. Yeah, but when in a Vada'i state, she's certainly in that state going to be considered an erva. Don't forget, a Sota is called the Sota all through the process. And so when the Pasuk says that she's a Toeva, right, is, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, uh, only limit it to when she's a, a vadai, right? The Tanya, Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, Omer Mishum Rabbi Elazar, Hamachzir Grushaso mina Nisuin. Okay, this guy's Machzir Grushaso. And she was married. That is an Isser. Asura, she's forbidden, right, to, mar- to remarry him. Mina Erisin Muteris. But if all she had was Erisin, she's Mutter. Mishum Shanemar, Achre, Asher, Hutma'ah. Wow. So according to Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, Hutma'a means nisuin. Okay? That's what it's trying to say. However, Amazing. Amazing. The Chachamim hold that you can't be Machzor Gershasa. Again, if you, if you divorce a woman and she never marries anybody else, bringing her back would be a mitzvah. Okay? But if you divorce a woman and then she marries somebody else and then they get divorced, you cannot bring her back. Okay? That is an Isser. However, the question is, what if she doesn't ever get fully nisuin? She gets engaged, or the, right, the, the Gemara version of engagement, which is Arison, and then like realizes that her first husband was really her true love and then goes back to him. So that's the Machlokas. Chamim says that even once she's gotten the Arison, she's still Aser, 
Aye, but what does it say? That's the lashon of the of the of the Torah. So it says Larabo Sota Shanistra. That's what it means. In other words, in order to not bring her back, what's Hutma'ah? It's being Merabe something. So obviously if she had any suin, right, this woman that was divorced, you can't bring her back. So what's the Hutma'ah? So according to the Chachamim, they're explaining that what? That a Sota is enough to consider it her Hutma'ah. And therefore, even with regards to the suspected Sota, she's still considered Hutma'ah. And in that context, we learn that that's Hutma'ah. And therefore, even the suspected Sota should be treated as an Erva. So the Gemara says, my Nistra. What does it mean, Nistra? Nivela. Yeah, that's only because in that context of that discussion of the Machsar Kishoso, when they say Nistra, they don't mean Nistra. They mean, we know. They mean Vadai, Nivela. But my Karle Nistra, okay, so then why did we call her Nistra? Uh, when we say Nistra, you know what we mean. That's code word for she went all the way and she's a fully defined, right, a fully defiled, right, um, Sota. So the Gemara says, okay, Nivela, Tzumah, Hedyuk, Yeah, well, Nivela, you don't need to say Nistra. In other words, the Pasuk says, Vinistra, Vihinitma'ah. <laughs> That's what the Pasuk says. So that Pasuk would be redundant if Nistra meant Nitma'ah. So we say, Lamekam Allah Balav. Right. It's true, it's redundant, but that's just to give an extra love on this guy for bringing her back. For bringing her back. I, Rabbi Yossi ben Kefar, right? Rabbi Yossi said that Nitma is referring to Nisuin. So, Lav Besota lately. He holds it, it's not talking about Sota. Rafilu Zanai Nami. Even if she definitely did adultery, my Taima. That's a pasuk says She has to be. Yeah, what, is, what does she need to do to become an ishacher? In other words, he doesn't have to deal with the translation of the pasuk. So we say. Um, so that's the uh, subject of the machzik gushaso, and that's where we pick up. What will be the case of the tzara? So we're about to start davening, and I left you off sort of at the middle of Yidal from Bay's. Baruch Hashem, Shushan Purim, hopefully on Shabbos, uh, we'll have a chance to catch up. Sorry we didn't go all the way, Andrew, but considered post-Purim, I think we got pretty far. Uh, take, take a breather. Take a long nap.